In this episode of the Business of E-Commerce, I talk with Dwayne Brown about how to grow your e-commerce brand beyond your home country. This is the Business of E-Commerce, episode 55. Welcome to the Business of E-Commerce, the show that helps e-commerce retailers start, launch, and grow their e-commerce business. I'm your host, Charles Pulaski, and I'm here today with Dwayne Brown. Dwayne is the founder and head of strategy at Take Some Risk. He has been called an international man of mystery and digital nomad by, by some friends. He has lived in five cities across three continents and has visited 40 countries around the world. He uses his curiosity for people and love for people watching to run better marketing campaigns for his clients. I've asked Dwayne on the show today to chat about how you can grow your e-commerce brand beyond your home country. So hey Dwayne, how you doing today? I'm doing great. How are you? Good. How was that intro? It's a good intro. Yeah, it's a good intro. Good. I like that. I like the uh, digital nomad man of mystery. So you have lived and what are the three continents? Uh, so Australia, because I lived in Melbourne and Sydney. And then I'm Canadian, so I've also lived in North America. From Toronto, I live in Vancouver now. And then a few years ago, I lived in the UK. Okay. And then how long has that, uh, the travel into 40 countries, how long has that taken you? See, my first eight or nine, probably the first 18 years of my life. And then the last, I guess the last six years now, since 2011, so the last seven years, I've done the, I've done the rest. Because living in New York, it's really cheap to travel, right? So I did 12, 13 countries when I lived in London. And then after London, I went traveling to Asia for 10 weeks on my own. And I just crisscrossed the subcontinent and like Japan and Hong Kong and stuff. So I did like 13 countries in 12 weeks or 10 weeks. Very cool. All right. I like that. So, and then you, were you doing, so right now it takes some risk. You're doing um, ad agency. Is that kind of the description of it? You're the founder of? Yeah. Some clients call us an ad agency. Some say consultancy. But yeah. We help clients run campaigns on Google, Facebook, Amazon, Pinterest, and help them set up everything from GTM to Google Analytics and just really run more profitable campaigns. Okay. And is that something you've done the whole time while you've been traveling? Or? Yeah. So I've done when I've traveled. I've done when I lived in Toronto, Australia. I went for the telecom down in Australia. I worked for everything from like ASOS to Jack Wills when I lived in the UK. And for a couple of agencies doing that. So I've done it for the last 12 years. It's what I know more than most things. Okay. All right, cool. So then let's say you're starting to work with an e-commerce brand, um, new client, they're domestic and domestic, we'll just say US only um, or Canadian, and they want to kind of branch off and start expanding internationally. What are some, some of the things you start kind of to get them down that path? Yeah, we start figuring out like where there already is demand. So if they're, whether they're Canadian or American, you know, the question is, is there demand in the UK? You know, it's one place we generally look for clients. Because uh, for a lot of UK people, it's really cheap to buy something from Canada or America because of the exchange rate. Right? It's, you know, 50, 60, 70% discount with the pound. Um, so you start to see where demand is. For some of our, our clients, Australia is a better market. We'll give a toy client in America. And so Australia for them is a better market than maybe Canada of the UK. So we start testing out a campaign, whether it's on you know, Bing or Google or Facebook and just see, you know, is the demand we see organically or just, you know, through word of mouth going to translate to sales online through any of those channels. So when you say you start testing demand is like, do you actually try to do research at a time or is it just go right into ads and you basically see are people buying? And is that like, is that how you kind of test the demand is really like, do people enter their credit card? 
Yeah, we do it with ads if it's a newer brand because there's not going to necessarily be people online who are asking for the brand. If it's like, let's say, ASOS or Jack Wills, those are large brands where you could find other people in Australia or on forums asking about that brand and get it to that country. But for a newer brand, you're not going to have people online on like, you know, Reddit and places saying, hey, how do I order XYZ brand to my country? So we definitely test it with ads. Okay. So you start generating some ads, see if you can even get any traffic and then do you kind of do you do the whole process as well with like actual shipping rates and try to figure that out and like how the products get there or is your kind of scope the like basically can you generate demand yeah can we generate demand i mean the client or opinion and stuff like that and have a live in australia i can give you know my personal experience and like australians are willing to pay whatever it costs to ship something because they don't always have the option to buy that product right so as long as it's a reasonable shipping cost they'll pay it um, and we'll work with client on pricing as well and figuring out, you know, what should the product be priced at, should be priced at differently. Because especially when you sell online, people would prefer all things being equal to buy in the local currency, right? Because unlike maybe Australia and Canada or Australia and, you know, the US where the dollar might be on par, if you're buying from other countries, it might not be on par. And so making sure you have the right price is really important as well. Yeah, it's one of those things too, being uh, in a you know, any city in North America, you're used to like two day shipping stuff, just kind of like, you know, you, you press it on your phone one night and it magically appears at your doorstep the next morning. But when you're talking Australia, that's, it's not a given the rest of the world actually gets this, but you know, I think we're a little spoiled and sometimes we think, you know, everyone needs two day shipping, but really like most parts of the world don't have this just yet. And like, so Australia, you can have longer shipping times and it's okay. Right. Yeah, it's totally okay. I mean, when I lived in Australia, I ordered stuff from ASOS and other brands. And yeah, it might take three, four days. It might take five days. I mean, bigger brands like ASOS have the advantage. They have warehouses in a few places around the world. So it's easier for them to ship things within within you know, four to five days. Where yeah, other brands, it might take a week. But even me, like if I really want a product and it's going to take a week to get to me because maybe I don't want to pay for extra super expensive shipping, I'll just wait a week if I really want it. Like I don't need something tomorrow. I think there's lots of customers who, who are willing to wait if it's something they really want. Yep. Okay. So you start on that side, try to figure out, is the demand, can you fill it? Um, and basically try to help the customers figure out, didn't do that initial kind of testing, right? Yeah. And try to figure out, can we make it profitable as well? Cause sometimes you can sell into a country, but you can't make the unit economics work where for every dollar you spend on page, you get back three, four or $5 in revenue. So even if we could drive sales, but we can't make it profitable in the long run, we might not use paid. We might just tell the client, look at, you know, PR or maybe we'll double down on like SEO or some other channel to help drive revenue from that country, but not have it come from paid. How were you targeting kind of some of the international countries? How are the ad rates there versus US? Do you, is it, could be more, less or more? Or is it typically like, what can you expect um, to pay versus what you're paying here domestically? Yeah, I mean, the UK could be more expensive because it could potentially be more competitive depending on what you're selling. Like the UK, let's say compared to even America and Canada, it's more competitive because they have you know more airlines, more stores have things on offer on sale. Whereas Australia might not be as competitive because there may not be as many local people selling that product or selling that service. You know, if we're not in e-commerce and we're selling a service potentially. Um, then yeah, places like you know India and other places where ad rates are really cheap and people often will ask online, oh, how do I get you know cheap rates? And people will say, target India. It's great if you can sell a product in India, but maybe there's a reason those ad rates are really cheap. Those people churn or they complain or they take up your customer services time. So going for cheap rates is not a great thing, which definitely try not to talk about like CPCs and things like that with clients because it's 
conversation we just don't think is really valuable. We rather talk about like profitability and making you more money. So then how, if you're not looking at CPCs or, I mean, it's probably playing to the equation, right? But you're trying to look at the, the profitability as a whole. Like how do you actually kind of like see that whole picture? Yeah, I mean, we'll, we'll talk about CPCs in the sense of, you know, if we think we're going to pay X amount per click and we think our conversion rate will be X, we think we can be profitable, you know, at this CPC. So we'll have that kind of conversation from a profitability standpoint, but we won't talk about like, oh, why are we paying $2 in Australia, but we only paid like, let's say $1.50 in America or something, right? Like those kind of conversations are not really going to reach the outcome we want, which is can you make money in this country and can we scale it to you know, a billion dollar business, a half a billion dollar business, a half a million dollar business, you know, whatever you can get in that country or that part of the world. So now where do you usually, once you're starting these campaigns before you're trying to scale them, are you usually starting on search and going to social or going to social, going to like, what direction does this go? Or is that not like, is that not even, um, you're not, you're not trying to go, you're trying to do both at once. Like what's kind of the, the plan of attack here yeah, with like what ad platform you've been using? Yeah, we definitely start on one platform. One thing we see a lot of clients do is they try to be on Google and Facebook and try to be on Bing and Pinterest and Amazon. They spread themselves too thin. And that creates the issue of you don't have enough money to test out one channel. So we definitely start with either Bing, if it's big in that country, but being if this was Australia, we'll probably just start on Google because Bing isn't really big in Australia. Um, and then we just see, you know, what are sales like on brand terms? What are sales like potentially on maybe bid on competitor names? You know, a couple of our toy clients have really big competitors and they do things globally in, you know, half a dozen countries. So odds are that client would see competition in the UK and Australia. So yeah, we definitely focus on one channel, get to the point where there's a really good foundation where we, all things being equal, every week, every month, we can kind of guess how many sales we're going to get. And then once we go from that point, figure out what's the next channel, you know, it could be Facebook if you think there's a large opportunity there. You know, it could be another search channel, like Yahoo's pretty big. Uh, down in Australia. So, you know, we could look at Yahoo as a potential option. Um, and then we just keep on stacking on each channel as, you know, as it makes sense for the business. Would you recommend starting with search and then going and then holding off on social or where would you actually start? Yeah, for most clients in e-commerce, we definitely say start with search because you can target your ads based on keywords. You know what people are searching for. You know, I love Facebook. We do a lot of work on Facebook, but you got to spend time figuring out like who you're going to target and what's your creative and what's your ad going to look like. Where in search, it's like, you got a text limit. This is how big your ad is. If your ad works or it doesn't, it's not like Facebook where you got to figure out what your ad's going to look like and what the image is going to be and what the copy of the ad is. Like there's just a lot more work involved with Facebook and it's a lot more competitive these days. And so if you're e-commerce and you want to sell something today, tomorrow, it makes a lot more sense to be on Google or Bing than it does to just start on Facebook. Yeah. And I've always, it took a while to kind of conceptually get the whole, you know, where you are in the funnel. But when you, when you're talking search, you're already like lower down the funnel, right? Like they've already decided I want to purchase this product and you can basically target those people that are actively looking to, uh, purchase. When you start talking social, you'll look, you're targeting people that are looking at, you know, family photos. They're not, they're not actually thinking of purchasing a new pair of sunglasses or shoes at this point in time. So you have to target those people ahead of time and start bringing them into the funnel at the very, very top. And maybe you can get cheaper rates at the top, but you need to really do a lot more work in the in the long run so you can target them cheaper bring them into the funnel cheaper but you definitely need to move them through that funnel versus on search you're going to pay a lot more initially but you're getting someone who's like primed ready to buy they're searching buy sunglasses and you can target that exact person and then realize oh they want to buy sunglasses that's you know that's what they're here for versus in 
social, that's not the case. You just have to figure people that might like your sunglasses and start showing them your sunglasses, warming them up to the brand and that sort of thing. Yeah, totally. I mean, the one, the obvious one exception to that on Facebook would be like if you set up dynamic product ads. So that might be something we might set up after Google potentially. If we know we have a large enough audience, we might set up DPA campaigns on Facebook just to remarket to people. So whether they're on, you know, a search engine and searching for stuff or on the internet in general or they're on Facebook, we can just remarket them on Facebook. But yeah, beyond that, we sort of just make sure we really figured out our channel and then we tack on the next channel that just makes sense for the client. Okay, so you would start. So you could even just you could even start with a remarketing campaign in some cases, right? On finding people that are already in the brand. Yeah, if you have enough data and there's enough you know data in your Facebook pixel, you could start with a dynamic product campaign and see how that does in a physical country. Because if you have you know a thousand people coming to your website every day, that's enough people you know over the course of a week and a month to remarket you to see you know can you get people to convert. Well, you need a thousand people in that geography too, even more. So depending on the country, you know, then you need to decide am I targeting you know, all of the UK or, you know, just like how large are we actually like growing the net? Um, because you, you might only get a thousand in a larger, in a larger geography, that sort of thing. Yeah. For our clients, we target a whole country. So yeah, we target all of Australia. I mean, 80, 90% of Australians all live on the East coast, you know, if we're in the UK and even if it's a high end item, we'd still just target all of the UK and not target London, even though most of the more wealthy people live in London. Just because if someone's come to the website and they're from outside of Australia or Melbourne or they're outside of London, they come to the website and theoretically they can buy. And if they're not going to buy, eventually we'll just stop showing the ad to them anyway. So we don't mind spending a couple bucks just to see if someone outside of a major urban area is going to buy. How long do you actually show them the ad for? Like, um, is there, what's your kind of rule of thumb of when are people going to get burnt out? Because um, you start seeing um, the frequency and in Facebook, things like that on, they've seen it X number of times in the past week. Like what are you going for two or are you going for 30? You know, what's kind of the right target here? It depends on the products. We have one client that is an e-commerce for auto. And so we'll easily show something 20 or 30 times because it's a high end purchase and it's not like spending $10 on sunglasses or yeah, if it's sunglasses or if a t-shirt or something, we might show it three or four times and just like, if it's a small audience on the pixel, we might just pause the ads for a week and let it sort of refresh with the fresh people in the pixel. Um, or we might just say, you know, pause this ad and show another ad. If we have like a sequence where it's like week one, you see this ad, week two, you see this ad, week three, you see this ad. And so just go through separate ads each week so people don't get burned out seeing the same ad over and over. But yeah, generally if it's low end purchase, we'll have a lower frequency cap. It's a higher end purchase, we'll show it all along because we know someone's not gonna buy it necessarily that, that day or potentially that week. Yeah, I was talking to someone the other day about um, someone selling mattresses online. And that's one of those purchases where you're going to make that decision probably in like a week and you're not going to make that decision again for 10 years. So you have, as an advertiser, you have an extraordinarily small window of like either buying yours or someone else's. But once they've bought, you're not going to buy a second one. Like you're never going <laughs> to, you know, you're going to buy that one mattress and you're just going to sleep on it for a long time. Um, and that's one of those things. So extremely short window. So it almost makes sense to ramp that up and yeah, show it to them 20 times in a week, 30 times. But then like you said, other things like clothing, fashion, you might want to drip that out over a longer period of time, right? And get them more into the brand. Potentially, yeah. I mean, I think the one, the one interesting exception, we were talking about that the other day as a team, which is Harry's Razors. So kind of like Dollar Shave Club, Harry's Razors. We see their ads all the time. If you go to the website, you'll see their ad everywhere on the internet, even if you've already bought the 
products. So that tells me their remarketing probably is not as great as it could be, where they should exclude people who've already purchased or exclude people who've seen it, you know, 10 or 20 times. And maybe they just figured if they just bombard people enough, everyone will like talk about it and tell their friends about it and they'll drive more sales. But Harry's is one of those exceptions where it's not a high-end purchase, but they show their ads tons. I've always wondered about that. There's folks that I buy from, but then I start seeing the ads after I bought. And I'm always wondering, like, is this by design? Or are you guys just like, are you just missing it? Are you just doing it wrong? And I've always tried to figure out, you know, what's like, what is the thing that they're trying to do here? You know, I've bought from you last week. Why am I just, why am I seeing the ads now? Is that a mistake typically? Yeah, most have done it wrong. So, I mean, usually you'd have some sort of audience list of people who've bought from you, whether it's all the purchases or certain purchases, and you just exclude those purchases from what your different marketing campaigns with lots of brands and even lots of huge companies like Amazon just don't have that sophisticated remarketing. They just run a remarket to anyone who's bought or anyone who's been to those sites. And they just figure people will, will not care. And come and hopefully buy again. Hopefully buy again. There's certain things like a raise, like a, the Dollar Shave Club, the Harry's, that sort of thing, where you're probably not going to buy a second subscription to the exact same thing. So some of them don't quite make sense. Or the mattress, for example, right? You're not going to, oh, I like I like that first mattress. Let's buy let's buy a second bed. Like you tend not to like, you know, there's some where it makes sense where like you could buy a second pair of shoes, a second shirt, but there's other things where you might not buy that thing twice. No, I mean, the only way you're going to buy another mattress is if like, you start dating someone, you moved in together, and they're like, yeah, I'm sleeping on that mattress. You need to get a new one. And then you, like, you decide as a couple you're going to buy a new one. But even then, you might be like, I hated my, you know, my caps for a mattress or whatever it is. And so you want to buy, you know, a purple mattress or, you know, a Thins and Needle mattress or some other brand, basically. Yep. Anything you would remark it to after the purchase? Like, is that ever a strategy that you would recommend? Yeah, totally. So that's more like cross-selling and upselling, I guess you would say, right? So someone you know, cross-selling idea that they bought, you know, X product. So they bought, you know, shades from you or a t-shirt or they bought a pair of jeans. And, you know, people who buy jeans also buy t-shirts or buy up shirts from you. So you show them ads afterwards for shirts or socks or stuff. So yeah, we work with clients that have enough scale to figure out, you know, people who bought X, can we show them ads for Y after and try to like upsell? Because getting someone to buy once is really easy. Having clients and telling clients to have someone come back and buy a second and third time is where you start to make money and a lot more money from a customer because a lot of purchase is easy, but getting someone to buy a second and third time is, is where you want to be to just have a successful long-term e-commerce business. So even if you have their email, would you still try to uh, remarket to the same folks that you have their email and you could hit them up by email, but would you choose to kind of do like a, you know, this go on both fronts and, send them an email, here are some ideas, but also follow them around on social, here are some ideas that, you know, of a cross sell. Yeah, I mean, for a lot of clients, we'll try to work with them to figure out like what their cadence is for email. And so we know if they show the t-shirt email to someone on their 15th day after they bought a pair of jeans, then we'll try to set up our remarketing to show them an ad on Facebook or on Google, wherever it is on the day 15 as well. So those two, those two things are in sync and also have the same brand in. So yeah, you definitely want to do both because some people, might check their email every day. Some people might not. And so you have the ads as a backup or vice versa. You know, if they don't go on the internet that day, but they check their email, then you have the ads, you know, for day 16, 17. So yeah, we want to make sure both those channels are in sync. Gotcha. So now let's say you're starting to do this, you're remarketing, you did some search, um, you maybe did a little top of the funnel of Facebook, you know, social, that sort of thing. What's next? Are you, you mentioned Yahoo or are there any other channels you'd start looking at next? 
Yeah, I mean, if in Australia, Yahoo, if you're in the UK or the US, you'd look at Bing as another search platform. You know, usually a general rule of thumb is 30% of whatever you're spending on Google's what you'd spend on Bing. So if you're spending, you know, $10,000 a month on Google, you might spend, you know, three or $4,000 a month on Bing. Um, and then once you sort of maxed out that, you'd start to look at things like Facebook and build like local like audiences, build audiences based on people who bought from you 2X or people who bought in for 2X or ROAS or something like that. Um, and figuring out, does those audiences make sense? Can you upsell to them? Can you get them to buy higher value items? Because if you're targeting people who bought from you twice, you're targeting people who are 2X or average order value, odds are Facebook will find other people who want to spend similar amounts of money. So trying to show them maybe your more expensive product uh, might be a way to go or just your product, you know, people buy frequently from the site. Yeah, that's probably one of those things too, where it helps knowing about their local geography, right? Where, you know, everyone knows Google, right? Like we all, everyone uses that across the world, but the, the thing that's next, that's probably the thing that's a little more specific to that local country or region where maybe it's Bing, maybe it's Yahoo, maybe it's who knows. Um, but that's probably one of those things where it really comes in actually knowing like what are the other platforms in that local area. Yeah, totally. I mean, Google, Bing, you know, Facebook, those are great. And they're usually, you know, one, two or three, depending on what country you're in, but you have things like, I think it's Naver and I think it's South Korea is the big search engine. That's even bigger than Google. Uh, I mean, obviously China has their own search engine, um, that dominates there. So yeah, having a bit of local knowledge, especially, and usually it's in somewhere in Asia where Google is not number one, or if they are number one, there's another engine that's number two. Um, and figuring out how do you, because most of those engine search engines are not always in English. Having someone who maybe speaks the local language would help as well. So you could write ads and keywords in that language as well would be, uh, would be beneficial for a lot of clients. Yep. Now, how about Amazon ads? I feel like we were talking about that before the show, and I feel like that's like the, the new frontier in e-commerce advertising right now, where, you know, today, Amazon ads are kind of where Facebook ads were three years ago, and where Google ads were eight years ago, where things are constantly changing, the platforms are changing. Um, like, what, is the what is the state of that today, to that, in the end of 2018? Yeah, I mean, everybody who you know, is in e-commerce and sells a physical product, they definitely want to be on Amazon and figure out how to be on Amazon. The challenge, I think every brand has to figure out is if you're on Amazon and Amazon sees that your product is very successful, there's a good chance that Amazon will copy your product and take away your market share. So it's a bit of a double-edged sword. It's like, yes, you can sell and you have a new channel, but if Amazon comes and competes with you, can you survive that? Or if you find that lots of people are buying from Amazon and that's taking away market share from what you were doing on Google or other platforms, you know, is that okay as a business model, right? You know, you're just as profitable on Amazon as you are on you know, Google or Facebook or other channels that might have the market share shrink for you because all those sales are being driven by Amazon now. Um, so clients want to talk about it. I think they're just really scared of whether they should do it or not because they don't know if it makes business sense. Do they need to already be selling on Amazon? to like, can you just run at Amazon ads um, from Amazon to your third party site? Or do you have to be selling on Amazon and you have to run them to Amazon? And like, what do these ads appear? And like, how does it even work? Yeah, I mean, there's some people who do that, but I think it, it definitely makes sense if you're gonna run ads on Amazon to set up a store there. Because if people are searching for your product, making it easier for them to buy if they're already logged in versus having to go to your website. And if your website doesn't allow for guest accounts, they have to sign up for an account. And there's lots of sites I don't buy from because I don't want to set up a guest account or I don't want to set up an account in general. And if they don't let me have a guest account of some kind, um, I don't want to just set it up. Uh, so we definitely say, if we're going to be on Amazon, test out 
maybe products that aren't selling on your main site to get rid of it. So look at Amazon as like an outlet and try to get rid of product that isn't selling or test out a few products, but don't put all of your inventory on there. And then the ads look like what you'd see on Google more than what you see on Facebook in the sense that it's, it's mostly text. Uh, some of the ads offer a little image that might be your company logo or might be an image of the product. And then it's either in search results or it's in some sort of results page and someone's searching for, you know, Bluetooth headset or, you know, eco-friendly toy for five-year-olds. Um, and that's just a question of, of which ad makes more sense. And then also you have like product listing type stuff. Yeah, so there's product listing as well, right? So you can go in there and just be in the regular listing, but it just says sponsored, but it pretty much just looks like a regular product. Yeah, yeah. So it's like it's like Google's shopping campaigns, basically for Amazon. So you can build up shopping campaigns on Amazon for you know all your products, some of your product. You can either auto generate campaigns where Amazon will figure out what the keywords and just build a campaign for you, or you can do campaigns for shopping based on your own keywords. Um, and for clients, we'd say do a bit of both because it's good to know what Amazon thinks you should bid on. It's also good to test your own keywords that you've taken from you know, Google and Bing and other platforms and test those. Because a lot of times we'll tell clients, if you're already on Google, you know, take your best keywords from Google and put them on Bing. If you're already on Google and Bing, take your best keywords from those platforms and test them out on Amazon. Because at the end of the day, it is all really search. People are not that different when they're on Amazon than they're on Google. Gotcha. Have you found different, where are the kind of the rates at? I guess that's the... That's the other big part of this, right? Where is, you know, originally you could get Google search ads for pennies and that's come and gone, you know, years ago, Facebook originally, when they started, they were super cheap. That's coming on. I feel like Instagram has started to go up over time and we're kind of seeing, you know, that rate, those rates high right now. Where's Amazon in there? Like, what can you expect to be? Those days don't exist anymore. Like Amazon, Bezos, the team, they're smart people. You know, they're going to basically charge what they think they can get away with. Uh, and I wouldn't say it's expensive, but it's not like the good old days where it's 207 and it's 206. And you, yeah, you might pay two cents for a brand. You might pay 25 cents for a keyword. You know, you now spend, you know, a dollar, two dollars, three dollars on a click. But you know, someone coming to Amazon, they've probably bought from Amazon before. If Amazon's showing you that person, that ad for your brand, it's a good chance that person's probably going to buy it because maybe their past search history on Amazon says they want to buy this product and they've done the research. Um, so I don't mind spending, you know, a couple bucks for a click on any platform if I think it's going to drive a sale. So they already know, so they've baked in, they haven't, they didn't start artificially down at that, you know, five cents mark and float up like everyone else. They kind of already came in day one and said, we know how, we know the value of this. Let's just price it there already and let's bake in the, basically have that extra profit from day one because um, they know it's worth it. Yeah, they know it's worth it. And Amazon has been doing advertising for years now. I think it's only in the last couple of years they've made a bigger a, big, a bigger show of it because they built, I don't know if it's a billion dollar business yet, but they built probably close to a billion dollar business. And so they can talk about it in a very you know, sexy way, have a keynote and stuff like that. Um, so yeah, they've tested out years under sort of like NDA beta and they now know that it, this works. So we're just going to charge what we need to charge. And if you want to come play on Amazon's door, you got to pay up. Yep. Yeah. They, they seem like they know they have, they have the data, they have the users, they have the eyeballs and, and they know it. Right. So they can charge for it. Is there some place? So end of 2018 going to 2019, is there a place right now today that, you know, you can still get cheaper yet good, you know, decently converting ad rates, or is that completely is that ship sailed right now? And has everyone kind of figured this out? Yeah, I think there's always going to be other places you can go. If you have super niche, you know, e-commerce brand, there are probably, you know, community sites or affiliate sites and stuff like that where you can get cheap rates. 
Um, for one of our two toy clients, because we have two different toy clients, you know, Pinterest has been a very good channel. There's not a tons of volume on Pinterest, but send up some basic remarketing campaigns and capture those people who've been to their site and now on Pinterest do research has been a good way to just add volume that they probably would have gotten otherwise. Um, so we say Pinterest is a great place, not tons of volume. There's only 250 million people. So it's a 8% of what you'd have on Facebook because Facebook's two point some odd million people, um, but there's quality people on Pinterest. So that's something we do if you're like a toy client or a client going after uh, parents in general when you sell your e-commerce products um, or anything sort of in travel, health and beauty. Those are kind of the big areas that Pinterest goes after. So if you're in you know, e-commerce travel, e-commerce, health and beauty products, going after parents, Pinterest is definitely a good place to look at. How about display? Are people still, is that, is that coming back around? Because um, I feel like after social and search has gone up so much, displays kind of stayed the same. Like at some point, does it make sense revisiting display and saying, you know, there's still communities out there, like you said, that you can show banner ads and you can actually, but you know, based on maybe they're the, um, you know, you sell watches and there's a, a watch community, um, a watch forum, if those still exist. And could you buy some display ads on that? And is that a way, is that kind of a strategy? you know, now in 2019 to go back to display? Yeah, I think display is still relevant. I think it's like anything else. It's one of those things you just have to test. So a lot of display we do is, is from a remarketing perspective, whether it's dynamic display ads or just, you know, static display ads, we'll test it out. You know, if a client has, yeah, if they sold watches and there was some like a watch aficionado website, we could potentially, we would potentially try and buy ads on there, whether it's by direct or go through some sort of platform to buy and test it out because it's worth, it's worth trying if we know our client sells watches and this is a watch community, it's worth doing an ad for, you know, six weeks, two months, see how it does. If we don't see it being successful, then we just turn it off, but it's worth trying at the very least. And that's one of those things. So if you're going on in the example of a, you know, watch retailer selling on a watch aficionado blog, that sort of thing, you're not, you're not talking remarketing. You're talking top of the funnel. New users are going to see this from day one and be introduced into the brand. The remarketing would be more if you're just saying, Let's just do display on any remnant across the web. And hey, there's some, you know, who knows? The, the watch guy is also going on a cat blog. Let's just grab some, you know, let's remarket them over there. Who cares? It's a cheap rate. But when you're talking top of the funnel, find folks in that industry and basically buy ads right on their site, right? Yeah, I think it's a bit of both. I mean, some sites will have where you can buy direct, maybe on the homepage, but then the subpages could be part of the GDN network or Google Display network. So it could be a potential where, yeah, you're showing display ads from remarketing people already been to your site, but maybe on the homepage, you've, you've done a homepage takeover and you've bought into the premium spots and those are going after new user acquisition or people who maybe, hey, they've heard about your brand, you know, but you want to really sort of put the new watch you launched for Christmas in front of them because, you know, it's Christmas time people are going to spend more money than they have. Yeah, and this all sounds like a good reason to go with Go with someone who's, um, you know, a consultant or someone like that who's done this before. Just out of this is there's a lot of stuff here. Like it's a, it's a there's a big uh, a big universe of places you can run ads. So it's not just, you know, go and some run some ads on Google, go on Facebook. Like once you just do that once, you're gonna have to start like you said, finding one funnel that works and getting that kind of going. But you're gonna max out, um, or maybe there'll be a point where there's diminishing returns where it starts saying. You know, we can spend X per day, but if we go anything above that, our actual returns drop way down. So then that's where it makes sense to say, let's start going platform by platform and try to find 
you know, go, don't go deep too deep into one where you kill your returns, but start going horizontal and find those same kind of value over a, a breadth of platforms. Yeah, hundred percent. Yeah, there's there's a lot to know and keep track of across like platforms, even within platforms. Like Facebook does a lot between Facebook and WhatsApp, and Facebook Marketplace has a lot of things going on. Instagram has a lot of things. You know, someone mentioned the other day, and maybe this will happen. Maybe this will not happen in 2019. But you know, what if something like Slack starts to sell advertising space? You know, there's lots of dedicated Slack groups for you know advertising and marketing and people who are into e-commerce and stuff. And like, what if they start selling advertising space against certain groups? You know, that just becomes another channel you add to your, you know, you add to your wish list for a client or places you have to advertise. And so, yeah, it's, it's, it can be challenging to keep up and keep track of what's, what's happening at any given day. Yeah. I feel like we, we had the moment where there are a lot of display networks and then it all kind of just converted into a conversion to Google at one point. And then social came and it got big again. And now we're seeing this like new, this new thing happening where there's just more networks popping up and more people and more places to advertise. Um, so the, the heydays are back again on lots of places to advertise. Yeah, tons of places, even just like marketplaces, right? If you're in e-commerce, there's lots of marketplaces out there. You know, obviously there's comparison shopping for Google in Europe, but then like Amazon obviously has their marketplace, but Walmart has a marketplace and like Etsy has a marketplace and there's just all these other marketplaces you can actually be selling your products. So even just looking at marketplaces as a whole, that's like a whole business in of itself. You want to be on like all the right marketplaces for your product you sell. Awesome. All right. That's super helpful. We uh, packed a lot of good tips into a, a quick little show here. So thank you for that. People want to, um, yeah, no, people want to find you, find more about you where, uh, what can they reach you? Yeah. So, I mean, Dwayne Brown on Twitter, I use on Twitter most days. Uh, there's an agency website, which is take some risks.com. So that's usually where a lot of people will reach us. Um, I'm also on Reddit. So I'm on the PPC subreddit on Reddit. Um, so that's a good place if you have like questions about like, PPC and just what's going on. Whether you've been doing this for a long time or you want to get up and running in your new e-commerce store, that's a great place to ask a question on like, you know, what channel to launch on or is this a good idea for this campaign? Um, so those are usually the three places that I spend most of my time, either our website, Dwayne Brown on Twitter or just on Reddit. Awesome. All right. Thanks a lot, Dwayne. That was super helpful. Well, thanks, Charles. Appreciate it.